This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon and Julian McKenzie on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. the other way, spins it up the left wing side, and shoots, and Markstrom makes the save, and now we've got a three-on-one the other way. Here comes Kadri, Kadri in, shoots, and scores! And the sea of red erupts! Nazem Kadri, the hero in sudden death overtime as the Flames beat the Bruins and sweep the season series. Tonight, they win 3-2 in OT. What a game. What a game indeed for the Calgary Flames. As you heard from Derek Wills, they sweep away the Boston Bruins in two meetings in the month of February and now set up a very important Battle of Alberta Saturday night in Edmonton. Welcome to a Friday edition of Sportsnet Today. Logan Gordon and Julian McKenzie along with you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios. J-Mac, happy Friday. Happy Friday to you as well, my good man. Ooh, we got a lot to get to on the program today. Talk about a exciting three-on-three overtime. Great game. Thursday night at the Scotiabank Saddledome. The roller coaster continues for the Calgary Flames. Whee! We're on the up, this is the upswing part right now. Yeah, it feels like the up more than the down yeah. right now. But who knows how far up that up goes? <laughs> we'll find out. Uh, next up for the Flames, as I mentioned, Saturday night, Battle of Alberta in Edmonton. One game road trip for the Calgary Flames before they're back on home ice next Tuesday, welcoming in the LA Kings for an important game. We'll dive into everything we saw at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome last night, coming up in just moments. Also on a practice day for the team here from Blake Coleman and Mackenzie Weger on this Friday. We will uh, take a look at the opposition next up for the Calgary Flames. It is the Edmonton Oilers. Avery Lewis McDougal is going to join us, host of Avery Sports Show. Also on this Friday, chat with our pal Scott Laughlin from Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. Go around the league with Scotty. There's a ton to get to uh, across the NHL. Some concerning numbers out of Winnipeg when it comes to their season ticket base. Uh, what's his thoughts on the NHL's MVP race and Austin Matthews' goal-scoring prowess? Uh, always love chatting with Scotty. And we'll uh, also end off the week like we always do by opening up the Friday DMs with me and Julian. We'll let you ask uh, whatever's on your mind as we close out another week here on Sportsnet 960. But quickly... We're in the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios for Doug Lacey's Basement Systems. Cracked Foundation, Boeing Foundation Walls. They have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They're all things basement. You visit dlbasementsystems.com. we got Connor and Cam along with us this afternoon. And you as well listening live. Feel free to shoot us a text at 960-960. The fan feedback line always open to you. We'd love to hear from you. On this Friday, um, did it feel like an inevitability, Julian, that the Flames were going to have a good game against the Boston Bruins on Thursday because the play up, play down to your opponent narrative kind of continues to ring true with this group? I don't know if inevitability is the word I would use, but 
I definitely feel smarter after saying yesterday that uh, I wouldn't have felt uncomfortable if I was a Flames player or a Flames fan against that team, considering how they've played against that team in the past. And at least to start off the game, they did really well against the Bruins, really taking it to them. And yeah, the Bruins look like a team that had played the night before and had played a high-octane, high-energy game that kind of sapped them out of it. But for the Flames to take it to them in the opening 20, and look, the the goal that Jacob Markstrom allowed, we know about that a little, un, I mean, I don't want to say a little unlucky, but unfortunate it's the better word to use here. Him straying out of the net, and then Charlie Coyle beats him. But for them to get the goal at the end of that period to take the lead, because they deserved the lead with the way that they were playing, that really helped them going forward. And they were able to weather that storm from the Boston Bruins, only allowing one more goal before the overtime period goes down. Second straight year in a row, the Calgary Flames and the Boston Bruins play a wild overtime game at the Saddle Dome. This time, the Calgary Flames get the win. I, I I thought that game was entertaining. I thought the the overtime period was entertaining. But for the Flames to get that win over Boston, and for the way that they handled them, especially at the beginning, in isolation, I think that's a good start for them. And I think that was really good on them to get to that point. I wouldn't say it's, it was inevitable that they were going to get a win, considering how they've played up and down. It's a matter of them finding consistency, as you'll likely hear from from some of the players we, we heard from earlier today. But I, I think the fact that they were able to get two points with them keeping themselves in the race for a playoff spot, it's always going to be a good thing for them. The one thing I can't get over with this group, Julian, is the water off their back when bad things happened with good teams and with bad teams, at least recently, and maybe it's recency bias that I feel this way, but I still feel like it's been a season-long thing. I can't figure out why, and let's use the Jacob Markstrom play in the first period as uh, as the example here. Yeah. It's a bad moment. It happens. Those things, you, you make mistakes as a goalie handling the puck. Every single goaltender in the NHL has had one this year. It, it happens. It was That particular mistake was reminiscent of a similar one he made last year sure. against the Montreal Canadiens. Exactly. And for some reason, I feel like if that had happened earlier in the homestand, against Detroit or San Jose. Oh, boy. It's a bigger deal. Absolutely, it's a bigger deal. But for some reason, Thursday night, it's, okay, on to the next one. And whatever it was, you know, um, I should get the exact timing. I mean, moments later, it feels like, what's the, okay, 1841, Coyle ties it. 1923 possible gets the lead back. Like the next minute, essentially. Yeah, within the next minute. They didn't they weren't floored, they weren't hurt by it, they weren't you know packing up their things going into the period heads down, anything like that. And it easily could have been that way. I just I don't know why some of those moments seem to hurt this team more against San Jose and Detroit. I mean, even the first period against Winnipeg the Sean Monaghan hat trick didn't deflate this group going all the way back to Monday. Man. But similar moments in other games have. I can't I can't figure out what you know why they're so resilient some nights and not as resilient other nights. I think it's starting to come down to how this team prepares against lesser opposition. I mean, we were both in the locker room after those losses to well, San Jose comes to mind. Detroit comes to mind, too. But this team 
needs to figure out how they go about approaching these teams that are below them in the standings and not just looking at them as write-offs. It's a long season and you try to take everything one game at a time and you don't want to look over anybody. But I think there are definitely times where you look at an opponent on the schedule and you realize, oh man, we really have to bring it today compared to another opponent on the schedule where you're like, okay, well, we don't got to bring it, but you're not, it's not at that same heightened expectation and sense playing up for a game against San Jose compared to playing up against the Boston Bruins. It's going to be a very different experience every time considering where those two teams are. I don't care what anyone says. I think for this flames team though, the fact that they're in this wild card chase, they essentially have to look at every game as the same. They have to be in a playoff mode and I get it. That can get exhausting after a while, but they essentially have to play in that mode with everybody that they go up against from here on out. They have the Edmonton Oilers tomorrow. They have the Los Angeles Kings next week. They have the Pittsburgh Penguins later next week in a game w- with a team that's falling further out of a playoff race in the Eastern Conference. And there will be other lowly teams after that. But if the Flames are serious and they want to keep themselves afloat, you know, even in the midst of whatever Crick Conroy might do with this roster, the way that they approach games, the way that they approach teams, it has to be this universal approach where everyone on the everyone on the schedule like they have to try to get the two points against and and Ryan Husk oh, oh, you go but ahead. are you confident they can do that based on the team you've seen I don't know through the, however many games this year I don't know. I don't know that they can I don't know this team just they know it more than anybody they need to show a level of consistency that can propel them to like a five six or seven game winning streak that's what this team is missing just being able to put it together on a consistent basis against any type of quality of opponent. And I, I keep thinking of Ryan Huska's comments about how it doesn't really matter uh, who you play against in, in this league, but if you don't have it against that team, you're going to get beat, mm-hmm. whether it's a San Jose or a Detroit or, or, or a Boston or a Los Angeles. Like you have to be able to bring it against all, any of these teams. And for a team like Calgary that is still playing for its playoff lives for the next, for the foreseeable future, I, I, I would think for them, especially now, that mode approaching these teams like you can't look at the schedule and you look at a team and be like all right we can get a night off here it's a relaxed time like no like you're playing for your lives here and as long as los angeles which is seven points up on calgary right now continues to play well enough as long as st louis they as long as they continue to play well the nashville predators are tied on points even though uh, the blues have a game in hand on points they have the same point actually a little less in terms of points percentage but They've won, the Predators have won three in a row. As long as those teams continue to win, the Flames essentially have to match that and surpass that. Well, yeah, that's the thing is they have to surpass it. And that's, as we look at the playoff schedule or the playoff standings today in the Western Conference, as big of a win as that is for Calgary against Boston, you made no ground up last night. That's why the climb against teams for the final wildcard spot is so hard. St. Louis beat the Islanders 4-0 on Thursday. Nashville beat L.A. 4-1 on Thursday. That doesn't help you at all. Nope. Kraken beat Vancouver 5-2. And now you've got got Minnesota and Edmonton tonight. You'd sure love the Oilers to do you a favor. That's a bit. Yeah, if you're the Flames, you're you're not really looking at. I don't think you're looking at a Pacific Division spot. No, I've, I've felt since like. January that this team 
I mean, I, I would think for maybe even earlier than that, but I think the wild card was always going to be a more realistic spot for this Flames team to get to. But yeah, I, I think from here on out, I mean, the sto- the scoreboard watching is starting. It it starts now if it hasn't started already. And uh, I think tonight, if you're a Flames fan, if you're rooting for them to make the playoffs, and I get that's a bit divisive among certain people. Sorry, guys, you got to root for an Edmonton win. That's that's not easy to do. Uh, going back to last night again against the Boston Bruins, a couple of standout performances from different members of the Calgary Flames. Hat tip to Nazem Kadri, uh, who was fantastic last night. I thought that was their most effective line at five on five again. Julian, uh, Zeri, Pospisil, and Kadri. Um, I just continue to be impressed with how the three of them work together. That bump up shift after the goal late in the first period. Um, was just created by all three of them doing what they do well. Martin Pospisil heading to the net, Connor Zary and Nazem Kadri using that open space to find opportunities. And then the OT goal you heard coming in from Nazem Kadri to finish things off. Uh, we're talking about, we talked about this like we were waiting to get into the Flames room last night, and you had said your bold prediction for Nazem Kadri was 90 points this season. He might not reach 90, probably not going to get to that point, but he's at 50 and 57 now. He's hit the 20 goal mark for the second time here in Calgary. And this is probably the best we've ever seen Nazem Kadri in Flames colors. Three consecutive uh, 20 goal seasons. If you go back to his final regular season in, in Colorado, I've never uh, done that before. I've never done that. He's never done that before. Uh, Hockey reference says that he's on pace for a 70 point season which I think would be his second best season ever. Uh, that last season in, in, in Colorado, we had an 87-point yep. season. This is a player who started off the year, I don't think people remember, he had a bit of a tough start to the year. And it was being him being put on a line with Connor Zary and, and Martin Pospisil that really helped him and working with those kids and, and providing them tutelage whenever they needed, but also just working with those younger players and being effective and coming up in big moments. Like, Nazem Kadri has been a solid player and it's funny. I think of, I thought about that Sean Monahan trade earlier this week because of how well he played with the jets against the flames. And immediately you think, Oh man, like this flames team gave up a first round pick to off to, to take away that contract. But the guy they signed, the only reason why the flames organization, as, as far as I'm concerned, doesn't get panned more for that move is because the guy they signed to replace Sean Monahan has been effective. And I mean, I know Blake Coleman has had the year that he's had so far. I've been a little quiet since the all-star break, but for me leading up to the all-star break, it was either Nazem Kadri or Blake Coleman who should have been the team's representative as all-stars. No, no disrespect to Elias Lindholm, but it really should have come down to Kadri. It really should have come down to Coleman. And it's funny. Like we've, we've looked at guys like Huberto and, and, and Uyghur and, and their impacts on, on, on how they've played with this team since joining I think Nassim Kadri has been just fine. I think if the team was better and the center depth was not what the way it was looking like right now, maybe I think he'd be a little bit, you'd be content with the Nassim Kadri statistics in the regular season. I get it. It's not 87 points, but yeah, I don't know that anyone ever expected him to get to no, that in Calgary. Though. Absolutely not. But like, I, I think you should be more than satisfied with what Nazem Kadri has been able to provide at his age too, in his age 33 season. Like he's been able to produce well. And look, if he ends up with that 70 point season, the second best year in his NHL career, good for him. Good for him that he's able to get to that point. Yeah. It's been, 
it's been really fantastic. Nobody's had anything but good things to say about uh, about Kadri in the year he's had. Here's one other thing I want to add to that, though. And you tell me if I'm off base. I think I would think that if you're Flames management and you see how Nazem Kadri is playing alongside two young players, doesn't that fuel your desire to retool on the fly as opposed to tearing everything down to the studs and thinking, get me as many young players as I can to play with my high-priced players so I can see if maybe Nazem Kadri, the Nazem Kadri effect can extend to like a Jonathan Huberto as an example or another veteran in the lineup. Am I, is that a stretch? Cause I mean, ultimately you have to do that anyway, but like if you look at how Nazem, and I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to present a perspective no, that I the Flames might be I thinking understand. and not necessarily like, Oh, this is what the two should be doing. I have my thoughts on that, but like, I wondered about that this morning, thinking about it. I was on the, I was on a, the PDO cast with Dmitry Filipovich and I've thought about that today. Just like, Hmm, Nazem Kadri playing well with young players and the team wanting younger players to reinvigorate their lineup. And essentially that, you know, he put them with, with high priced veteran players who could use that job. That helps the retool. It it doesn't, it doesn't for me because the result to me only matters like the next couple years. The result to me is going to matter when you're expected to be competitive again. True. You know what I mean? Like with all due respect, and I understand that the process is still valuable. Like how you get to that next level of being competitive is going to be valuable and how these guys, especially the youngsters grow and progress as, as pros is going to be valuable. My problem my, I don't even know if it's not in problems, not even the right word for it. My only hesitation when I hear that is when I'm ready to be competitive and say it's the three-year plan that lines up with the, the new arena here in Calgary, where's Nazem Kadri at then? That's true. Right? He's not, we're not talking about a player at 28 refining his game. We're talking about a player at in his age 33, if he's 34, that age group. Yeah. So that's, that's the only thing there. Now I'm not trying to discount the process. No, please, please. And, and we're allowed that, to disagree you know, on this. Shit. That getting, you know, together, you know, between then and, and if, if it helps uh, Connor's area, it heart, helps Martin Pospisil become important pieces for the Calgary Flames in that three-year window, then sure, then it's absolutely worth it. But at the same time, I think you have to wonder about if it's still going to be the same effectiveness when it really matters again. Probably not. I mean, if you're at a point where you have a 37-year-old Nazem Kadri or 30, 36-year-old Nazem Kadri as your number two, number three center on this team, uh, you probably want to get younger at that position. Yeah, and especially with the conversation we had, you know, going back to Thursday about this team needing that next number one center. I mean, if we're really, we really want to bite down on it and get real about it, if the three-year plan is where it's at, you might need three centers. Because Lindholm's gone, yep. and the two guys behind him, Backlund and Kadri... They're not getting any younger. No. Are going to be, what, 36, 37 by then? And I'm not saying you can't be a good NHLer at that point. That's not the point I'm making at all. I'm just saying, does that line up with the competitive window? I'm, I'm not sure. Are those two players at those ages the ones you want as your front-facing players carrying this team? No. Ideally, you want Connor Zary to take that step. 
and get to a point where he could be among them. X, Y, and Z that probably don't even exist in the organization yet. Or someone you trade for who can fit that bill. Yep. That's possible too. Yep. But yeah, it's going to be a fascinating next few years with this team as they build up. But I, I think what's clear is this is not a team to me that is going to be trying to tear everything down to the studs. This is a team that's going to just go through this weird transition where they have the veterans that will help the younger players along. They'll try to be as competitive as they can. They'll retool and trade off assets pending UFAs as they can. But I don't think this team is this team's too good to fully tank. This team's too bad to really be among the elites. And I think the best way to maneuver through it, in Craig Conroy's eyes, might be to just sell off assets, accumulate young players, reclamation projects when you can, add them to your arsenal, and then hopefully by 2027, you have a team that's competitive, that can make a real run for it. It was a practice day on Friday for the Calgary Flames. Next up for them, they're in, uh, on the road for a one-game road trip up in Edmonton for another Battle of Alberta. Checking in with a couple members of the Calgary Flames following practice on Friday at the Scotiabank Soundome. Let's start with number 20, Blake Coleman. His thoughts following a big win against the Bruins and looking ahead to their matchup with the Edmonton Oilers. Blake, you guys just beat two really good teams back-to-back. Do you have a little extra confidence from that heading into Edmonton? Yeah, I mean, I think we've shown that we can, you know, hang with the best in this league all year. And, um, you know, we've just, the thing we've struggled with is consistency. So, got to find a way to put three, four, five together here in a row and, um, you know, really get ourselves up into the race where we want to be. And um, nobody better to to go and beat than your your rival across the uh, province here. How does it feel to go through a stretch since late last month where you've won four, then you lost four, then you win four, then you lose at least three and just kind of like these stretches of back and forth between winning and losing? Well, like I said, we're trying to find that consistency in our game. And I think, um, you know, the reactions are a little steeper the way we're playing where people want to burn it all down after four games. And then they think we're going to the cup final tomorrow after another four. So, um, but for us, we just, like I said, we got to find ways to, to win eight of 10 or, um, you know, more, just more consistency than we've had. Um, you know, and we're searching for the answers and, um, you know, we certainly know what our game looks like when we're playing our best and, and how to beat the best teams. But um, just it's just a weather we can throw it out um, on the ice every night. What could, a, what could a win against that team and, and knowing the rivalry, knowing that there hasn't been a ton of success of late, what could that do to just add to the belief in that room? Well, it's a team that if you, if you want to go to the playoffs and you want to go on a run in the playoffs, that's a team we're most likely going to face at some point. So... Um, you know, it's time for us to start winning games in this rivalry. And, um, you know, it's been frustrating losing to a team like this that we feel like we can beat. And, um, you know, we tight game last time here in this building, but came up short. And like I said, we got to find ways to, to beat this team. And, and uh, if we want to go anywhere you know, meaningful, then this is the team we got to get by. What, uh, what's the effect when, when Jacob's in the zone? Like, what's, what does that do for the rest of the guys, Blake? Well, it's a calming effect. I think, you know, I think they had multiple looks last night where they had a breakaway or two-on-one and guys on the bench are like, you know, Marky's got it before the puck's even even released. And that's a good feeling to have that he can bail you out like that. And um, obviously we don't want to be giving up that many opportunities like that. But, uh, you know, it does certainly radiate through our lineup when he's 
in that zone and you can tell pretty much right away when he is and um, you know he's a big reason why we're able to go and uh, win games right now. This might be kind of like a vague question but like what does consistency look like? like what does it mean? Is it just playing the same way every single shift every game? Like yeah we just at this part, time of the year it's you gotta, we can't be laying eggs you know we've had a couple that just nights where it wasn't there at all and it's it's frustrating and um, you know obviously we're 60 games into the year and there's going to be nights where you're fatigued but you know we got to find ways to to win ugly games like that and that's the only way real realistically you're going to climb back into this race and and go eight nine games out of ten um, which is what we need to do because um, you're not going to be your best every night but um, you know maybe Marky steals one maybe you know we just we you got to find ways to win those games every team has nights where they're not feeling their best and the best teams in this league and the teams that go to the playoffs are the ones that can win those games but are, they, are they also like is every team sort of searching for consistency like is that kind of any team any season that's the challenge yeah i mean it's it's the name of the game right it's how you get in and it's best teams in the league will still lose three or four or five in a row in a season at some point that's just the way this league goes and it's it's a demanding you know it's a very humbling league um you know if you get complacent after winning a couple games and you think you're a little better than you are then you're going to get humbled pretty quickly and um you know we've learned the lesson enough now i think we can uh Hopefully, put that behind us and, we know and about, get oh, some wins. Oh, sorry. Didn't mean oh, we know about the energy that Jacob Pelte brings to a team and how it even gets to a point where he can uplift teammates. But what are your impressions on the fact that he's been able to do that and make such an imprint into your locker room while he's still really young into his NHL career? Yeah, I mean, we miss him. You know, when he's not in, he's uh, it's quieter. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he's, he's a great guy. He's a, a kid that you root for and you want in your lineup. He's. Um, He's pretty infectious the way he approaches the game and, and really just the way he approaches life. Um, there's a lot to admire there, and you know we're hoping we get him back soon. I know he's he's itching to play. He's, he's probably tired of bag skating and training. I know he's been working hard to to get back and give us a boost. So um, hopefully he's he's back giving us that pretty soon. Checking in with Flames forward Blake Coleman following practice at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Next up for the Flames, it is the Edmonton Oilers for another edition of the Battle of Alberta. 8 o'clock puck drop, 7 o'clock Flames warm up with Pat Steinberg, Derek Wills, and Megan Mickelson on the call right here on Sportsnet 960, the fan. I uh, did want to mention this quickly uh, today as well. We won't get too much into this, um, but as we're getting closer to the trade deadline, everyone, of course, watching waiver wires and things going on. Um, this involving a former flame uh, today. The Arizona Coyotes placed Adam Ruzichka on waivers with the intent to terminate his contract. Um, they had a quick statement out uh, that they had placed him on waivers. They'll have no further comment at this time. Um, this comes, Julian, after a uh, video released this morning. It's circulated online. Uh, it's since been taken down, but it shows something, a white powder on a plate. Uh, Rasichka has a vial or something in his mouth that's um, not a good look. Uh, again, we're not going to speculate on what's happening there. It's it's between Rasichka and the Coyotes, but uh, 24-year-old, fourth-round pick of the Flames, had 114 games with Calgary before being claimed off of waivers back on January 25th. Short stint with the Coyotes. Three games, no points, one shot, and... Uh, just averaged over eight minutes of ice time 
in his stint with the Arizona Coyotes and uh, looks like his time in Arizona is going to come to an end. And, and maybe beyond that with the National Hockey League as well. I don't, I don't know if he's shown enough in the last little while to warrant another chance from an NHL team. Um, but yeah, his contract being terminated, being put on waivers. Uh, yeah, that's, that's as far as I really feel comfortable going in on that particular subject, but just rather unfortunate situation. Uh, that's the latest around the NHL. We'll take a break. Come back on the other side. Uh, much different uh, looking battle of Alberta. Last time these two teams met, the Oilers were in the midst of a historic uh, winning streak. This time uh, the Flames will have them coming off a of back-to-back. Calgary looking to continue a winning streak of their own. Looking forward to, of course, another edition of the Battle of Alberta. Avery Lewis McDougal is going to join us next. We'll get the feel on the Flames and Oilers ahead of another Battle of Alberta. That's next. When Sportsnet Today returns here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Logan Gordon and Julian McKenzie along with you on this Friday edition of Sportsnet Today. Glad to have you along for the ride. Still to come, we'll chat with Scott Laughlin of SiriusXM NHL Network Radio. And we'll open up the Friday DMs before we get out of here this week. But next up for the Calgary Flames, Julian, it's another Battle of Alberta. Looking forward to this one. It's all the way you were rubbing your Woo! hands in studio, man. Like I the Birdman rubbing of the hands. I love you are excited. Battle of Alberta. I have to say, man, just as a as a newcomer to the province, like any opportunity I get to watch these games in person, I try to just take advantage of it because, I mean, there was a time when I thought it was like the best rivalry in the game, and I think when both teams are up for it, you you, you watch such good hockey. So I'm I'm excited for Saturday's contest. Uh, help us get set uh, for the Oilers and the Flames. Very happy to take a look at the opposition with Avery Lewis McDougal, host of the Avery Sports Show, covers the Oilers for the hockey news, plenty of other great places to catch his content. Uh, Avery, appreciate you doing this today, man. How are you? Gentlemen, what's cracking, boys? Not much, man. We're excited for a Friday. I you know you've got one game to go uh, watching the Oilers before this Battle of Alberta, but that's what we're getting jacked for. No, as you should, you know, it's been fun watching these games, no matter if it's a playoff series, a game in October, the Heritage Classic. It's always fun watching Empton and Calgary do battle, guys. Uh, tell us what's been up with the Oilers. Last time we checked in ahead of a Battle of Alberta, it was back in January. Flames were on a six-game homestand, but the Oilers were in the midst of this historic winning streak. What's been uh, the vibe around the group since the streak ended? What's kind of been going on with this group? You know, the vibe, I would say for the most part, it is still positive. I mean, how could you not be positive when you have Connor McDavid on the Andrasa on your <laughs> hockey team? But at the same time, this team has had runs of being very up and down right now. You know, they lost to the Boston Bruins overtime in their last game. So right now, it's about trying to be consistent once again after that lull, after, after the 16-game win streak was broken. I know the big question is right now is – what I'm going to do with net. But right now, I think they're pretty stable when it comes to the tandem of Skinner and Pickard. That's for right now. Pickard's played pretty well as a backup. But I know for the Oilers, one concern is, outside of Conor McDavid and the Andrei Seidel, getting consistent scoring from beyond the, bot, the, the, the top six forward group. And right now, they've had a hard time getting that. The bottom six forward unit has struggled at times. But when it comes to defense, they've been getting good play from Evan Bouchard, someone who I think... And you guys have quote me on this. Evan Bouchard will be a North finalist come this June. So those three have been great assets. But outside of Bouchard, McDavid, and Dressel right now, it's been a little bit questionable in terms of production. Okay, we got we to delve into more questions about the roster and maybe some of your hot takes. 
Uh, obviously, you've had a front row seat to watching this team throughout this season, and we all remember how they started really badly out of the gate and the turnaround we've seen from the Oilers to put themselves in a position where they're in the top three in, in the Pacific Division, and they're starting to look like those cup contenders that a lot of people thought they would be entering the preseason, entering the regular season. What's it been like for you following this team and seeing this the squad go through the ups and downs they endured to this point? You know what? It's one thing about the Oilers, guys, it's never been boring. That's one thing about the Oilers. No matter if this team is on a losing streak or on a winning streak, they've always been fun to watch. I will point out, I, I, I didn't forget to mention, Zach Hyman has been having a great year as well. You've got to give a look to Zach Hyman. But, you know, watching this team over their run this year, it's been entertaining no matter how things go. But now with this run of this team being inconsistent, I'm really, I'm really curious what could happen with Chris Knobloch. Like, how will Chris Knobloch get through his first real run of adversity as Oilers head coach? It's going to be a test for him, especially when you get to a playoff series. Again, say, for example, team like the Vegas Golden Knights, who has beaten you consistently here this season. Still time before the end of the year, so still time before all of us who have votes for NHL awards can decide who's ultimately going to win the Hart Trophy. Uh, Avery, where would you put Connor McDavid uh, in terms of Hart Trophy candidates for what he's been able to do with this team and and just his, his statistics throughout this year when you compare him to a Nikita Kucherov or a Nathan McKinnon or or an Austin Matthews in Toronto who's scoring at the crazy pace that he's scoring? You know what? Kucherov and Matthews deserve their praise. They're having an, an amazing season. I mean, Austin Matthews might hit 75 goals like in 2024. Might that be number more. Who knows? Absurd. <laughs> that seems absurd. You might, you might get more, Julian. You're right. But, you know, for Connor McDavid, he is still, even with the great play of guys like Bouchard, Zach Hyman, Leon Dreisaitl, Connor McDavid is still the, the still sort of the drink at Edmonton. So I think if he again, goes on a tear again of points. I mean, he's in the top 10 scoring again. He is going to be, I think, if he doesn't win it, he's going to be no lower than third hard voting. Putting him below third would be absurd to me. He's going to end the year no lower than third, and he might win the whole thing still. Who knows? Uh, Avery, when it comes to the top two players, when you talk about the Oilers, McDavid and Dreisaitl, it, it feels like a lot of times Jay Woodcroft uh, was criticized for not having any better option than just making a lineup with Connor and Leon when things got tough from the, for that group. Has Chris Knobloch done differently with that combination? How has he used his two biggest offensive superstars to have success? Uh, there have been times where Knobloch has gone back to putting dry selling on the same line. That's one thing that you cannot do too often because, again, when you load up that one line with those two superstars, you deplete your second and your third lines. So I would have seen Knobloch stay away from that for the most part because you cannot be the two-man show when you're in trouble on McDavid and Dreisaitl. I mean, I know Ryan Hopkins was ill in this last game against Boston. we back now against Minnesota. But you're going to have to rely on more than just those guys to get your offense going once again. So Knobloch, he's fallen, he's fallen into a trap to an extent, but it can't be a consistent thing because once you go back to McDavid and Dreisaitl on the same line, to me, it shows as a coach you're panicking to an extent. 34 goals in 52 games this season for Zach Hyman. 53 points in 52 games. Two goals off the, the goals he set last year with the Oilers in 79 yeah. games. Why has Zach Hyman been so good and fits so well with this Edmonton Oilers team? 
one thing Zach Hyman has done and he's always done for his career is he gets to the net. He's given time and space to get to the net and create havoc in front of goaltenders. And when you're playing on the same team with Leon Dreisaitl and Carmen David and um, Randy John Hopkins and Evander King, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, there's only so many guys you can try and stop at once. So it's really it's a, it's a pick your point situation in terms of who you're going to try and stop on five on five or a power play. So Zach Hyman finds a way to get to net when everybody else is, is watching McDavid Drysidle, and he's done that so effectively, getting his stick in front of goaltenders, getting his stick around the play. So it's not a, it's not surprising to see like we might see a Zach Hyman 45 goal year. I'm thinking, fellas. It wouldn't stun me the way he's going. He's been a hell of a pickup for the Oilers ever since getting there. Uh, Avery, how does uh, Corey Perry fit in to this Oilers group? I know it was a controversial decision to bring him in. Uh, some didn't love it after his time ended in Chicago, but uh, Flames fans know him well from his time in Vancouver. Sorry, not Vancouver, from Anaheim and <laughs> different stops in uh, Dallas and, and other places. But now he's with the Edmonton Oilers. How has that fit been? You know, in terms of on-ice play, he's he's gelled well with this team. You're seeing him, uh, bigger body, get to the net, getting goals, being a pest, which if you watch hockey, you've known Corey Perry's been a pest no matter no matter where he's played in the league, be it um, in Chicago, Anaheim, he's been an annoying kind of player. And he's done that exact same thing again for Edmonton and been a very effective forward in many aspects. So... You know, it's, it's, a, it's a guy that they brought in that found his way around the net and found his way to produce, even though he's pushing 40 years old. He's been a, into the numbers, he's been a very effective player for the Oilers, guys. Uh, Avery, if you had the opportunity to hop into our good friend uh, Kendra Collins' shoes and work the uh, trade <laughs> deadline uh, on March 8th, what are you thinking of doing with this team? What are you looking for? What are you trying to add? Oh, what am I looking to add? I think right now you're trying to add another another D-man. You're trying to add some forward help. I know Chris Tanner is a guy. This, this team has been rumored to try. I was going to bring him up. That was my next follow-up. Yeah, if you can find a way, find a way to get Chris Tanner or up, up front. Try and find a way to bring in. Um, God, so, oh God, yeah, you want to bring in um, Tanner or some some other help up, up forward? That's gonna be the big thing from right now. I mean. Goaltending is going to be that much of an issue, I think, right now, but it's really upgrade the scoring right now, up, be more to uh, upgrade the help on the back end, and you should be good because your top, your top six is still a very effective unit. So I think if not on the back end, you should be good to go, guys, I think. Jake Gensel is a name we've heard a lot around this yeah. Oilers team. Does that make sense from, from your perspective for the Oilers to go out and and add some secondary scoring. Is that a guy that you think Ken Holland would be big on? Honestly, with the way the Penguins are going right now, with a team that doesn't know what they want to do, do they want to rebuild? Do they want to be a playoff team? I think right now there's a way to possibly get Jake Gensel out of Edmonton, if they, out of Pittsburgh, sorry, if there is a way to make that trade work with Kyle Dubas and Ken Holland. But Jake Gensel is an amazing uh, forward. I think he's an option you definitely want to try and get for Edmonton for a playoff push, guys. Uh, one player, I know he hasn't really figured into the plans lately just because of how his start of the year went. Uh, have you been keeping tabs on, on Jack Campbell at all? Just kind of curious about his situation and how he ended up being in the HL and had the rough start that he's had. What, what's, he, what's been going on with him? You know, Jack Campbell, you know, 
he's actually bounced back a little bit in the AHL, which is great to see. He's figuring things out in Bakersfield. But do I think Jack Campbell could return to Edmonton? As it stands right now, I highly doubt that. Not with the way Callum Pickard's playing right now. Picker is playing much better at NHL level than Campbell was over the past year. So really, if you would ask me, does Edmonton call anybody up in terms of a goaltender? I would say, guys, it would be Olivier Rodrigue or Jack Campbell if that were to happen. Why Olivier Rodrigue over, over Jack? Rodrigue has been more consistent over the past um, little while in Bakersfield, and he's a longer stretch right now of being a better pro goalie right now. I'm not saying Campbell can't turn things around, but I think he's more confidence right now in his organization with Rodrigue and Pickard on a depth chart above Jack Campbell right now. And, you know, it is tough because you did bring in Jack Campbell to be your number one guy. You didn't bring him in to struggle in AHL and have a rebuilding AHL. So I think it's going to be Rodrigue and Pickard behind um, Stuart Skinner going forward for the long run here. Avery Lewis-McDougall along with us on Sportsnet today. It's Logan McGordon and Julian McKenzie here on Sportsnet today, uh, host of Avery Sports Show covering the Edmonton Oilers for the Hockey News. Uh, what's going wrong for Connor Brown in Edmonton, Avery? This is a story that I, I frankly can't even believe that we're talking 45 games into his Oilers <laughs> tenure, and he's got four points, all of them assist, and hasn't found the back of the net yet. I, you know, if I knew what was happening, I'd have a million dollars. Because like, <laughs> I feel like the man is, I feel like the man has walked has uh, has walked past fourteen black cats, broken eight hundred mirrors. You know, like it's it's wild how he only has four points and has zero goals. You know, I'll give him I'll give him benefit of the doubt. I'll give him the benefit here, guys. Defensively, yes, he has been a good forward on that end, but he wasn't brought in here to be a strong defensive forward. He was brought in Evan Ten to help reduce, put pucks in the back of the net. And you know what? To his credit, he's trying to get shots. He's trying to drive the play. He's getting active in the play. But after a while, guys, you know, it stops being, you know, oh, great, he's getting chances. You've got to cash in eventually. It can't be a bunch of, ah, he's still trying, he's still trying. Eventually, that goal tool has to get past, has to get past zero. It's got to get to one, and then two, and then three. So... I mean, yes, this is his first year, but man, 45 games in and zero goals, it's not a good look, fellas. Four, it really is Four points in, like, there are players that, like, you, you, they can go out on the ice, they can get points just standing around, but, like, four points in 45 games. Like, something has to be up with this player. Like, is, is he playing through something? Is I mean, we don't know. We don't really know what goes on in certain players' lives. I don't know if he's going through something like that, but that is an extremely mm-hmm. difficult season for a player who at his best, can be a good secondary scorer for a team. We've seen that in Ottawa and Toronto with him. Mm-hmm. No, exactly. Yeah, you guys would ask me before the season started, how many goals do you think Connor Brown scores? I would have probably said, I would have probably estimated maybe, you know, probably 13 to 15 goals, and it would have been great. If you had told me, you know, back in October, hey, Connor Brown's going to have zero goals in February, I'd have laughed in your face. I'd have laughed. Man. There's a guy in like his last 49 games. You go back to the Washington Capitals, no goals, like shell of himself. Like it, it'd be really interesting to figure out what what more is going on with Connor Brown. I'm just it, it's it's. I mean, the Oilers have found a way to win more games, and Connor Brown is not necessarily the front of the line problem with this team. But yeah, that's that's not necessarily a, a an acquisition that has gone all that well for this team. No, it it truly hasn't right now. The stand right now, fellas. Um, Avery, just before I let you go, 
the way that this team's sort of been viewed with Ken Holland and maybe sometimes the hesitation to push the chips all in, will there be a part of the fan base in Edmonton that's upset if two weeks from now the trade deadline's come and gone and the Oilers haven't made uh, a major move ahead of the, the playoffs coming up? You know, I, I definitely think the fan base will be upset because, again, we're in what year? We're almost in both year 10 of McDavid and Dreisaitl, and this team has been to only one Western Conference final where they were swept. You've got to go right now all in and make sure this is the year you get back to Western final or make it to a cup final. So, yeah, I think the fan base should be upset if they don't go in to try and get a Chris Tanev or try to get a Vladimir Tarasenko or try to get a Jake Gensel because, yeah, you know, yes, McDavid and Dreisel are still here for a couple more years, but, hey, that clock is ticking. Tick, 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 tick. Make a move. If you want to win, the time to win is now, and the time to do that is, you know, get, make, a, make a trade. Maybe you got a deal, a Cody C. You got a deal on the back end to make it work, but this year has to be the year you tell your fan base, hey, no excuses. We're dealing a pick. We're dealing a high player. We want to win this year. And I presume that hesitant, not hesitancy, but that alertness and urgency, it's tenfold when you account for the fact that uh, Leon Dreisaitl is going to need a contract real soon. And once mm-hmm. July 1st hits, the big topic in Edmonton is going to be what's Leon Dreisaitl's next contract going to look like? That's that's a that's a really great question. You know, I, I don't know what it's going to look like just quite yet, but I will I will reassure. I know the Calgary Station, but I will reassure Oilers fans. Connor and Leon do like Edmonton. The idea of them, you know, being mad out, out here is silly. These guys love the market here. They want to win here, but how much is Leon going to get? Not going to be cheap. I I, cheap I appreciate you going out of your way on a Calgary radio station. <laughs> to uh, reassure Oilers fans that Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl are going to stick together for a long time. I I really appreciate what you've done. I'm saying this with drips of sarcasm. We live in a bubble that says they hate Edmonton Avery. Yeah. We're perfectly happy. I don't know how that's going to go over with the fan base in the market that Logan and I are in. Sure. Connor has a heated driveway, but he doesn't want to. You can you know, go to Florida. You don't have to have a heated driveway, yeah. Connor. You have to have a heated driveway in Edmonton. You have to have a heated pool. You know what, man? Like, look, hey, man, look, I get it. You have Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl in Edmonton. But remember, you live in Edmonton. Yeah, we're perfectly fine believing that. Calgary's a that fine city. city. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to appeal to the Edmontonians who live in Calgary. I know, the, I know they exist. I know the Edmontonians who live in Calgary. They yeah, exist. They- They're a strong bunch down south. <laughs> Jeez, they, they do exist. I gotta they say, do. when I see them, I'm just like, really? What? You don't drive <laughs> up the Edmonton Trail and go up to anyway? You know what? I've said too much. Uh, Avery, great stuff, man. Thanks for hopping on today, man. Enjoy. I know you got the uh, Oilers in the Wild tonight, but enjoy the Flames and the Oilers on Saturday, pal. Appreciate the time. See you in the group chat. No, of course, boys. Anytime. Thank you, Avery Lewis McDougal, joining us, host of Avery Sports Show. Find him on Twitter at Avery at A V R Y covering the Oilers for the hockey news. Um, it's an interesting team, man. Yeah. Uh, it was concerning during the winning streak, I think, for a lot of people outside of Edmonton because they were doing it in that fashion of, oh, we don't we don't need Connor and Leon to have <laughs> these massive nights, and we can do it defensively. And everyone's like, wow, maybe they can do it defensively, but yeah. kind of slipped back into some of those old habits again, and 
I still think this team, if I'm Ken Holland, if I'm a fan of the Oilers or I'm watching the Oilers and that guy doesn't go all in this season, I'm going to lose my mind. Yeah, I, I think if you're the Edmonton Oilers, I mean, any year you have those caliber of players, you have to go for it. I've been saying that about this roster for quite some time. So, yeah, you can't go through the trade deadline without adding some kind of piece that's going to make your team like, better. Like, what are we talking? Like, you're going to you hold – like, don't get me wrong. I, I think Philip Broberg will be a fine NHLer. But, like, that's what's going to hold you back from adding with Leon and Connor and, and Zach Hyman. That's what's going to hold you back from pulling off a major deal. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll add to this, too. We didn't really, I mean, we could delve on this now since we're talking about it and Avery's not with us anymore. Is Chris Tanev that guy for this team? How do you feel about the idea about the Flames dealing Chris Tanev to a provincial rival and that guy ends up being the piece that takes them to a Stanley Cup? I don't see it happening. Like, the I, trade? Yeah. Sure. I Like, that's just me. And I'm a guy that's come around to the, like, I used to be in the camp. And I know there are people that are, if you're in the division or the conference, you got to pay extra to have that happen. There's just been so few transactions between these two teams. I just think it's different when it's Calgary Edmonton as opposed to Calgary Vancouver, Vancouver Winnipeg, any of those other t- it's just it's just different. Even if it's Chris Tanev who I mean, I just I don't know that they would do it. Yeah. I think their their offer That's would fair. have to be head and shoulders better just because of the logo that it's coming let from. Let me let me throw it to you this way because the thing with Chris Tanev is uh, it seems like the asking price right now is a second. I think they want a first. What if the Edmonton Oilers are the only team out there that can offer the Calgary Flames a first round pick for Chris Tanev? Everyone else is saying, "Nope, we're not going higher than a second. The Toronto Maple Leafs they, they, a lot of people are saying, oh, they should be given a first. They should be given a first. They're, no. Brad Tree is like, nope, I'm not giving you a first. Ken Holland picks up the phone and he says, hey, I want Chris Tanev. I'll give you the first round pick you want. What do you do? That's an offer that's technically head and shoulders over everybody, right? I don't know if it's enough to make me do it, though. You'd want like a first and a prospect? Maybe. For Chris Tanev? I mean, at that point, like you, you, you hang up the phone and you say, "Hey, man, let's it's, it's let's just, make something let's different. make something work." It's, it's obvious. Different. It's very different considering. That's why I'm asking the question. That I again, I could swallow the pride of of a, being a Calgary boy for Vancouver and and the Lindholm thing, but if it's Edmonton and you want a significant, we're not talking Roman Horak and Steve Steos and you know. The, the days of old where these meaningless trades have happened, Ladislav Smeed, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think Chris Tanev's a difference maker on the back end. He means a lot to this for team. For a team that's going to the playoffs. He means a lot to the franchise. And I don't know that I would be okay with with doing that. Okay. That's fair. I, I wanted to just provide that. And there'll be people who disagree with me. There'll that's be people who sure. say take the first. Send uh, send your, your your comments to 960-960 on the text line. So, uh, he's Julie McKenzie. I'm Logan Gordon. This is Sportsnet. Today, when we come back, we're going to kick off Hour 2 with Scott Laughlin. Go over some of the biggest stories around the NHL with uh, SiriusXM NHL Network radio host. Plus, it's the Friday DMs to close out the week. Anything you want to ask Julian and myself, you can get it in at 960 
960. Hour 2 is coming up next here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.